and welcome to the Company Watch On The Spot podcast. I'm Jay Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. We are recording today's episode on Friday the 13th of May, and our topic for today is the GDP numbers, which were released earlier in the, the week, and some of the commentary um, that has come out around that. So, Nick, what are the, what are the headlines? <clears throat> Can't help thinking that there's something um, uh, something ironic in the fact that we're talking about this on uh, on Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I can remember such a depressed and shocked um, reaction in the economic punditry community <clears throat> to a set of numbers. I mean, they're not grotesquely bad, but it's where they're heading <clears throat> that is that is the issue. Just picking up some of the detail first, um, overall, um, the GDP fell by 0.1% in March. We'll come back to the quarter in a moment. Yeah. And that leaves mm-hmm. the economy 1.2% above pre-pandemic, Feb, Feb 20 levels. Mm-hmm. Services were down 0.2%, manufacturing was down 0.2%, construction was up 1.7%. But there's a bit of detail that is quite um, interesting, let's say, underneath that, because services down 0.2%. If you break that down between consumer-facing services like hospitality and retail, and non-consumer facing services, you get a rather different picture. So um, services overall down 0.2%, consumer facing services were down 1.8%, and cumulatively they are still 6.8% below pre-pandemic. And this is shocking because I was asking before we started recording, I said, but that doesn't include things like online shopping and things. And you said, yes, it does. No, it does. <clears throat> it does. Oh, yes, so it's it not does. The, it's not the, we're not into that kind of retail figures. This is all consumer um, services lumped lumped together, which is, that's quite a big, a big difference, isn't that's it? A, that's a meaningful correction. And, and, and bear in mind, there was no lockdown, no restrictions, no isolating at home going on. I'm sure there was, but officially there was none. Um, so what is it likely to be like in April and now this month in May? Mm. And so so on through as, as things like the national insurance rise bite and um, there's so many of the other, you know, the gas and energy prices have, have, have hit. This is all pre the big surge in, in consumer inflation. Um, I should also sound a little word of warning about that that very positive looking construction number of 1.7%. Um, uh, I, I'm unclear as to whether it's the ONS or somebody in the construction industry has pointed out that um, March output was very much boosted by catching up on projects where there were operational delays because of storms in February. Of course, in February. Mm-hmm. Particularly Storm Eunice, of course, but also Storms Dudley and Franklin, for those that have forgotten the name. Um, so we have, um, you know, it doesn't mean to say that it affects the quarter, but it affects the positive look of of, of March. Yeah. Okay. In there, and I, again, we should always sound that that kind of note of caution with these monthly numbers. They often yes. tend to get revised, don't they, in one way or the other. But it gives you a kind of tra- the interesting thing is looking at expectations and then looking at the numbers 
you know, because you, you you can kind of within the within the context of, of what you're dealing with. But I suppose in absolute terms, yeah. we always stand a note of caution on those. And what was what was interesting was that um, under pressure about how um, shockingly um, poor the prospects were and those numbers were. Um, the dishy rishi was straight out um, with a defence saying, "Oh yes, but you know, you you think 0.8 percent for the quarter—that was the figure for the quarter—was um, uh, was was a bit pallid." But look at the rest of the world, and then trotted out the figures for the euro area: Germany, France, Spain, Canada, um, and the states. And for sure, on the first on Q1, we were the second highest growth if 0.8% is indeed can be called highest and um and i get that even the states was in negative territory for some reason france was um level germany was plus 0.2% for the three months but if you flip it and you look at just march and i know with all the caveats about it's only one month it's a completely different order and you look at the g7 we are mid table in the g7 mm-hmm. Um, in fourth place, and uh, the US, Canada, and France all had better um, outturns in uh, in in that uh, in that month, and that is despite the fact that particularly in Europe, the energy price hikes triggered by events before Ukraine and then Ukraine um, hit consumers across Europe quicker than here because. There were, there's no equivalent price cap. Mm. And I remember that that's a point that the MPC have made, isn't it? I think they've they've looked at inflation in the UK rising towards the end of the year, and and they and they say actually it's because of the price cap that is is in place here and that isn't in in place in Europe. So you know, don't I think any caution. Um, any conclusions that we might might draw about higher inflation in some of the eurozone areas compared to us treat with caution because it's coming for us. It's just that we've been yes. we've been um, yep. protected from it. Yes. So uh, so that was that was all I think on uh, Tuesday. I think it was. I think so. I've lost track of days. <laughs> I'm struggling to believe it's Friday to be honest. Um, we have some, and then you you've come. You found yeah. this extraordinary piece of commentary from the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, which is either NISA or NISA, NISA, we think. Yes, I think in this case it's NISA. Well, it is NISA. There's a ray ray of sunshine here. Yes, I mean, I I suppose this simply demonstrates, uh, our listeners will have to forgive my old joke about if you you lay um, uh, all the economists in the world end-to-end, they'll never reach a conclusion. at least they'll never reach the same conclusion. Well, indeed. Um, um, NISA, or NISA, have come out saying that uh, UK GDP will grow by 3.5% this year, despite knowing that GDP was virtually flat in the first quarter, and that and they're saying there will be a decline in, G, in GDP both in Q3 and Q4. So that Denaf put a lot of pressure on Q2, which we're halfway through, and I can't see anything that positive about it, but we'll see. They also are more positive than the Bank of England about 2023 and 2024. <clears throat> Not much, but they are. They also think um, CPI inflation will only peak at 8.3% in Q4. Not and they had, 10% and they'd already this came out after the Bank of England monetary policy. <clears throat> yeah. So this presumably is taken into account what the bank is saying. <clears throat> yeah, I mean they do concede that um, RPI, 
that other funny measure, um, which for many people is reality, <clears throat> will hit 14.4% in Q4 2022. Uh, Bank of England, I don't think, split out RPI. In its, I don't think they focus. do. I don't think they do. Um, it says that... And I, one of my reactions when I read this press release from Nisa was, I wonder if anybody proofread this because there's some really odd things in it and things that don't make any sense. They say that employment will fall, they say to 2.4% in 2022, but I think they mean by 2.4%. On, you know, again, it's the other thing, 2.4% on wherever it was before. Right, okay. But they're saying it will get it will go to 5.1% in 2023, which of course is lower than the Bank of England's 5.5%. Yeah. Yeah. They also say that they predict that despite the, they recognise the fall in disposable income, household income, but they say that private consumption growth will be 4.7% in 2022. And uh, Is it sounding like saying, Andy Haldane's coil spring? Um, it's the coil spring. Well, it's the, it's the rich will get out and spend their COVID, um, their pandemic savings. As I said to you before we started recording, um, most of the people I know who've got pandemic savings are hanging on to them because they know perfectly well that their children and grandchildren are going to need help. Mm. So it's a completely different uh, point of view. I mean, minor um, lack of clarity in certain places. Nonetheless, they're looking at a somewhat different position. And it was quite interesting in that context that uh, the former MPC committee um, member, um, Deanne Julius, came out today, uh, she was quoted somewhere, Telegraph, I think, uh, as saying that she thought the Bank of England's, uh, the MPC's latest report was on the gloomy side. Well, I mean, we so can't, we, I mean, it's certainly gloomy, whether it's on a side is, is to be debated, but certainly it's interesting to know that there are two sides, there are, there are two, two schools of thoughts emerging. Yes, um, I, I, quite this. clearly, you know, I mean, I think the implication from Dean Julius and, and uh, Nisa is that uh, the Bank of England may have panicked. May have panicked. Mm. Um, we'll see. We'll see. The other little number that dropped um, out of the ONS report, I didn't see it, but someone on social media picked it up. Um, there were some figures for the balance of trade in goods and services, which were headline figures grim, um, underlying figures slightly confusing. Um, the, the report was that the deficit in March alone was 25.2 billion, which is the biggest deficit since records began in 1997. And it's gone up by 14.9 billion since February. Wow. Wow. Which is an awful lot that of money. Huge. Mm. There are then some bullet points in the ONS report on this that seem to imply that imports and exports were up, but by relatively modest amounts. Now, you have a theory about this. Well, all we can think of is that it's value versus volume. You know, so yes. that the you know if, if the volumes are, are, are going up slightly, that but that doesn't that sound a bit frightening in terms of what the inflation mm. is doing to our imports. Yes. So we'll um, see where that trend goes. I know. I know. We keep saying we'll see where this goes, but you know, hey, folks, we haven't been in a place like this no. for a very long time. And I think as well, you know, if that is really kind of inflation, goodness, no, that's that's you know that won't have hit consumer 
and you know front prices yet will it we've already talked about construction because right. one of the reasons i was i was asking about the construction um the numbers in the in the um gdp numbers was with that inflation and you, your view is that that's that's too early for inflation really to hit because it's lots of fixed price contracts long-term contracts and long-term yeah. contracts so you know it does feel like there is a there is a big you know as we, we're talking about inflation peaking and, and going up well this is the beginning. We can yeah. see where the, the seeds and, and the roots of that are. are That's right. And of, course, and of course, remember that balance of trade figure is prior to um, picking a fight with the EU over the Northern Ireland Protocol and seeing tariffs um, slapped, slapped on everything that we sell into Europe. And we'll have mm. to see where that one goes as well. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely something we need to to come back. It feels like a bit stalemate at the moment, but you know that could yeah, erupt. Seems to me, we, seems to me, we've probably got enough bullet holes in our feet at the moment not to uh, not to take aim and um, and let off the double barrel shotgun again. Economically, of course, mm, indeed. Dream of commenting on the politics. <laughs> Well, Nick, thanks so much for um, for that roundup. I think that's quite a useful um, a useful deep dive into into the GDP numbers. Thanks to everybody for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Bye.